Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Darren Lewis of the Daily Mirror and Tom Hopkinson of the Sunday Mirror. The football is beautiful. The allegations are ugly. They're unproven and maybe inadmissible. Yet Manchester City, the Premier League leaders, have come to represent football's moral crisis. That's unfair, but understandable. I'm not just speaking about City here. But do big clubs regard themselves as bigger than the game? I fear so. What about you, Darren? I would tend to agree, largely because UEFA, whose suitability to adjudicate over the whole thing appeared to be compromised as well, um, and the people who run the game, as we've seen actually in the wider context over, last, over the last few years, are also compromised. And as far as Manchester, uh, Manchester City, PSG are concerned... Let's say for argument's sake, UEFA wanted to boot them out of the Champions League. Would they really want to deprive themselves of some of the best players in world football? No, they wouldn't. Would a financial penalty actually affect them? No, it wouldn't. So how do you take on these big clubs? The idea of a UEFA going to a club and saying, look, how, how, how badly do you think we should penalise you? is literally laughable. Mm. So what is the body? Who is the body that is going to hold these big clubs to account There isn't one, and that's the reason why we have this vacuum surrounding these allegations and the accountability for them. Mm. In that context, Tom, how badly has City's reputation been damaged? Look, we, we could really wade into them and say it's been terribly damaged, you know, the, the, how, what a big disgrace it is, but I, I just don't think that the average football fan would would see it that way. I think a lot of people will look at it and say, look, we've, we suspect the allegations or we have suspected what is being alleged now for, for many years, for some time. You know, you only have to see, uh, you only have to look at the way that the money is put into Manchester City, the different sponsors. A lot of it can be worked back to Abu Dhabi and it, it doesn't take a genius to work out that, look, certain uh, budgets might be being used for, for money put into the club one way or another way. Um, so I, th I think, I wouldn't say that the reputation has been damaged damaged totally for, for the average football fan. I would think a lot of people, um, maybe from outside the game, non-football fans would look at it and say it's, it's 
pretty uh, distasteful what's been done in that way. But I, I just think football fans, I mean, Manchester City fans, are, are, do you think they care? Well, do, to do an extent, I, I, do think, I do think that they, if you look at think about the average Manchester City fan who have defended the, the acquisition of their, their wealth and the way they've gone about their business and suggested that there's been a witch hunt for the club. Mm. And they That's now... been very marked, hasn't it? And mm. you, it's, I suppose it's the tribalism of the modern game is that, you know, it's my club you know, without fear or favour. Mm. You know, I'm not going to listen to anything else. Mm. And I suppose what we're getting to here is that this is modern football writ large. Absolutely, because it's long been the case that with many clubs, they don't really care how they came into that money. They don't want to ask any questions, any difficult questions. And there are a number of owners in the British game who, if you were to really scrutinise them, we talk about fit and proper persons tests, which aren't really worth the paper they're written on. Um, but fans tend not to care if it means that they can challenge for trophies, if it means they can revamp the squad, if it means that they can compete with the really big clubs for certain players. I want to know, name certain players, but obviously I can't do that because I don't want to in implicate anyone in particular. But I think it has long been the case that if some, you know, certain figures who are... I'm so desperate to name someone. <laughs> <laughs> Better not. <laughs> but, but, you know, it has long been the case that if certain figures were to invest in football clubs, Fans wouldn't care if it would improve the club, clear the debt, get them competing for promotion or trophies or any kind of silverware. And that is an indictment, not just of the modern game, you know, possibly even of our industry. You know, Although it has to be said, and you've had lots of people on here who've been very vituperative in terms of getting stuck into the club's that are at the sharp end of this and, and, and being honest about their opinions and not just being cheerleaders for those clubs. And that has to be pointed out. But I certainly think that in terms of fans, a large number of fans, sadly, don't have the, the, the kind of strong belief that this is a real stain on our game, as they should do. I think it was very important what you said at the top, that this isn't just about Manchester City, because FFP was put in place primarily to protect the cartel. Oliver Holt wrote a really good column in the Mail on Sunday about this, mm. uh, about, you know, it was the elite, the, the big boys, the, the, those with the finances to be anyone didn't want City to break into it, and yet City came along and, and found a way to circumvent the, the, the stipulations and rules that were being put in place, or they, they appear to have uh, found it, and, and they've taken. I mean, the, the football they're playing, you know, it's it's really. But, but this isn't about. Their I, football, I know. I know. It's about. It? It's about two different things. But it's about how they got to to mm -hmm. that to to be able to afford the players to produce yes. that football mm -hmm. and afford the manager. But but if you, this isn't just either about the the top six, seven, eight, nine clubs. Because if you look at every football club mm -hmm. in in Britain and and the world over. There are finances that you can question. You know, I mean, you, you think about your local mm. football team, and a lot of the, you know, I remember covering Ryman League football 20 years ago, uh, with the non league game uh, here in England, and, and some of the shady businessmen that, that you, and the stories that you hear about where money's come from that's going into the game and being taken out of the game. This isn't just Manchester City, it's a, it's a very broad problem for the, the game in this country uh, yeah, and, uh, and the world over. It's, are, not are, in, it's not just here either. Are we reaching a tipping point here? Because you've got, OK, we've, got, we've talked about the Super League uh, rumours, which well, allegations, which basically surprised no one. So you've got the top six wanting to go one way. Mm. You've now got, you know, there's the stories in the papers this morning about the, the, the 15 league. clubs in, in the yeah. Championship wanting to go another way. I've always believed that there would either be some form of, like, PL2 established. You know, in essence, 
it's just a fight. You know, they're all looking after the number one, aren't they? There is a huge amount of money uh, in the game, and there is a huge uh, that's. that's certain number of clubs have realised uh, their pulling power, their, their financial, commercial strength. Um, and while that is the case, as I said before, it'd be, it will get harder and harder for the so-called regulatory bodies to be able to keep them in check because they are worried, as there are those concerns about the Super League, that they'll take their ball away and, and go elsewhere. And so they want to find a way of being able to keep them under control, but also being able to regulate them as well. So but let's not mince words here, Darren. If you look at, say, FIFA and the World Club Cup that they're yes. talking about, you know, the $25 billion uh, plan, what they've gone to seven clubs and said, right, you're in, if you come into yes. this competition, you will get at least £120 million. Yeah. This is the new clean FIFA. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who still want to make money? So you know, there's still that. That's what the game has become. The, the game long ago stopped being about entertainment, about sport. It, it is a cash cow, and it is a hugely successful cash cow. I mean, the, you know, the, you're absolutely right to mention. I was thinking this earlier when when we were saying, you know, are clubs thinking now that they're they're bigger than the game itself? The championship clubs who are talking about the, the who are saying that the football league deal is not good enough with the TV, but they they think they're bigger. Than, than the championship now. They think they're bigger than that deal. And, and it's absolutely right. It, it's, it's throughout football now. It's a real issue. Mm. And I suppose the sadness is, Darren, that, you know, here we're sitting here uh, the day after, you know, a terrific Manchester mm. derby, confirmation of what a fantastic team Manchester City are at the mm. moment, yet we're professionally obliged to deal, you know, get in amongst the slurry of it all. That game yesterday... What did that prove to you about Man City as a footballing entity? As a footballing entity, they are going from strength to strength. They are improving because it's all very well saying that they've been able to acquire the best players. Manchester United haven't actually spent that much less than City. But the, the difference between the two sides, it's chalk and cheese. Because I'll give you a stat. Um, the Manchester United wage bill over the last five years... Uh, 1,209 million pounds. Manchester City's uh, 1,120 million pounds. So Man United has spent more on wages over the last five years. There you go. And I think as far as United are concerned, you look at the rigidity, you look at the functionality of that team compared to the fluidity, the, the attacking approach, the authority that they play with. They are literally... They outclassed Manchester United yesterday. And the interesting thing about <clears throat> the 44-pass goal is that United have done that to other teams, what, three times in the last five, six years. Um, and yet they had that done to them yesterday. And they looked so ordinary. They looked terrified. Uh, I think they had one shot on target in the whole 90 minutes. They had six passes before David Silva opened the scoring. There are so many, they are in negative goal difference at this stage of the season for the first time since 1997. At the moment, United are going backwards. And I think as far, listen, Mourinho came out as he does normally after games like this and he said, people who look at stats, they don't know that much about football. And yet he used stats to defend his use of Marcus Rashford last month. Mm. And he, he had a big press conference, all the stats all lined up. So he kind of uses it when he wants to. Yeah, but Rory Smith on social media of the New York Times said this morning, there is another word for stats, it's called facts. <laughs> yes. 
Exactly. Absolutely, as, as ever, not Rory Nelson. And I think, um, <clears throat> as far as United are concerned, there are now debates over uh, the structure of the club and why it's affecting the players. But I look at that, those 11 players, well, the plus substitutes who played yesterday, and I still see a team that can play better than what they're producing at the moment. And I don't think... You can talk about the history and, you know, traditionally um, under Alex Ferguson... United, you could back them to wipe out what the nine-point gap between themselves and City, the seven-point gap between the nearest challengers. I wouldn't, with any confidence, say that United can do that. Not while they're still conceding goals in half time, uh, before half time, mm-hmm. and not while they're playing with the handbrake on. The I don't know the the, the, the new film is out. I think it's today it comes out. The uh, Take the Ball, Pass the Ball, the the documentary <laughs> on uh, Guardiola's Barcelona mm-hmm. and. I watched it over the weekend. It's, it's fantastic. You know, anyone who likes football, let alone loves it, should go and watch yes. this because it's it's just it's just amazing, and they've got some amazing interviews on there. But the biggest compliment you can give Manchester City now, and I'm not trying to compare them to that Guardiola team at Barcelona, but they're getting they're on the right path. Mm-hmm. They're they're sort of edging into that right direction to become. And, and some of the passing that, that you see Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Uh, the passing moves you see them conducting and creating, and and it's it's the way they move into space for me. It's not just the ability to make the pass; it's that the pass is made easy by the movement mm-hmm. from from the players around them, and and they're, they're just I, going from I strength to strength. There's any any punishment? I mean, just finish off any punishment that City may get from from everything that we're reading at the moment. You know, they're in such rude health at the moment that I don't think it would affect them. You know, any transfer ban is, is irrelevant because they've, they've got such good young players. These lads are just going to keep getting better and better and better. There, there was a player that they tried to sign. I think his name was Diaz. Correct me if I'm wrong. But Brahim they tried, Diaz. No, 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 no. no, no they, he's got, they've got him already. It, yeah, yeah. They, it, but they tried to get him in August and they couldn't. And I think he's gone and loaned somewhere. They're going to try and get it. Or, or he's gone somewhere temporarily. He's going to come there, um, I think, next summer. Um, and he would improve their midfield. Um, but I think as far as City are concerned at the moment, the, the 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 reason why they're doing so well, because it's very easy, as we know, we've seen many times in football history, managers get a collection of top players. But with Guardiola, he improves those players. So, for example, when he arrived and he was saying, I don't know if I'm going to keep Aguero, and there was some doubts about whether or not he would stay at the club. Now you look, because Aguero, obviously, goal scorer supreme. Now you look at him and he's dropping deep and players are going in advance of him and he's and he's, he's doing even more work but scoring even more goals. You look at Carl Walker, he's improved him as a player. You look at Raheem Sterling. Well, I think Sterling's a really good case in point because, you know, Tom, <clears throat> we saw yesterday that at the end of the game he was pulled by Pep and basically told in no uncertain terms, I don't like your showboating. Yeah. Now, this is after he's probably been their best player this season after signing a new long-term contract till 2023. Yet, yeah, first game back, it's do it my way. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's also, you know, quite clever. I mean, the cynic might say it was quite clever from Guardiola just to, you know, try and dampen things a little bit, dampen any any heat because he side it's easy to do things like that when your side have been have won so easily. Um I, I actually thought Juan Mata was absolutely right as a senior pro now to say to Sterling, look, you don't do that to fellow professionals. Uh, and that's something else Sterling's got to learn. But the the to Sterling's really? I, I think so. Show Boaty. I love showboating. No. Go on. Listen, no, Carl Walker put a no. Carl Walker put a, a, a poem on on t- social media after That's the game. That's not where I expected no, you no. going with. <laughs> no, 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 no. But the point is, he whipped it away fairly quickly. And I think you're right. There does appear to be this move from City. We don't want to inflame any kind of tension 
with our near neighbours. So we don't want to do it. But as a fan, I want to see that. I want them to demonstrate their superiority. I, 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 I want to see the sort of football Manchester City are playing. I love to watch the football that Manchester City play. I, I love to see the, the, the passes, the, the, the Aguero ball out. You love that, but sport's about personality. It is about personality. But is it about making people look silly? Muhammad Ali did it in boxing all the time. There are loads of people who do it. Sometimes, and, and Chris Eubank was legendary for it, people want him to be put on his backside because he was a little bit too arrogant. But I want to see that arrogance in sportsmen. And yeah, we can sit here and be uh, I'm not saying, and say, I'm not saying, oh, no, I'm not saying we don't want arrogance. I'm not saying we don't want that. You need, it. You need it to be a great themselves. footballer. You need arrogance. But I, I just didn't think it was called for yesterday. That I, 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 I don't yeah. think, I, I think... I think City had already embarrassed Manchester United enough with what, the way they'd played. OK, well, it's as tempted as I am to put my feet up and let you guys get on with it. <laughs> um, you know... You mentioned Wamata there. Now, he, to me, is a symbol of where Manchester United is going wrong. He has proved Mourinho wrong, come back into the team, was out of the team for probably, you know, certainly the most symbolic game of the season against City. Uh, there's a lot of talk that his contract will run down, he'll go to Arsenal. Am I right that Mata is a symbol of what's going wrong at United? Has, has he proved Mourinho wrong? Well, he's come back and played exceptionally he's, he's well. Played. Yeah, he has. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I love Juan Mata as a footballer, as a, as a, to watch the creative talent that he is, and, and one of the genuinely nicest fellas we interview in the mix zones when, mm. when players come through. Um, but, but I'm not convinced. There was a reason Mourinho let him go from Chelsea, and I'm not convinced. We've seen from Mata. Yes, look, he's played. He's a good player. He's a seven, eight out of ten player every week. But is he as good? as Raheem Sterling these days? Does he, does he offer Manchester United as much as Sterling? Does he offer Manchester United as much as Real Madrid? What I'm saying is, in, I think he uh, contributes to the balance of that team. It's an unbalanced team for me at the moment. It is, yeah, but, but I, I, think, I think the balance of, the, of the, the team is completely off. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, you look at Nemanja Matic, um, very, very good player, will win a lot of football matches, but when you come up against a Manchester City, they're, they're just not they're not quite at the level that Manchester City are at. And, and I think Juan Mata fits into that as well. I don't think... Yeah, I might let you two get on with I, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think... I, don't, I just don't think... I think Mata, cracking player, lovely player to watch, but is he the all-round player you need in a, Premier League, a top yes. Premier League side now? I think when Mata plays, Manchester United think more about their attack. It's far less aimless. It's far more considered. I think he's far more capable of playing that clever ball to release players in advanced positions than Manchester United are when he doesn't play. Against Manchester City, though, and this is what we're talking, because that Manchester United side can beat most teams Would in the Premier League. Would you say that Matter's got more, part, more pace than David Silva? No. Right. And if you look at David Silva... But who would you rather have in your team, well, David I'm, Silva I'm about to say, if you were to look at David Silva, Pep Guardiola has improved his game no end. These stats are through the roof. Now, if you look at... if I think if Mata was playing under Pep Guardiola, he'd have a similar impact on him. And he would use his capabilities to be able to help his team in a far more strategic way. And I think as far as Mata is concerned, he's very, very underrated. And if he were to run his contract down and leave... He'd go to other clubs that would make far more of his capabilities than I think Mourinho does at Manchester. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, look, I agree with that to a certain extent, but I think if he goes to Arsenal, that's almost symptomatic of where he's at in his career. Like Arsenal, let's face it, is a, is a step down from Manchester United. So what, what I'm saying to you, if, if you could have 
And United, bear in mind, we're talking about United closing the gap on Manchester City. Is Juan Mata going to get into Manchester City side ahead of David Silva? Bernardo that's Silva, not that's Riyad not the debate. Morris. That's not the debate. The, the debate is whether Mata, as a player, has proven Mourinho wrong. And I, I, I would agree he has because when he comes into the side, they play better. He's able to. They're, they're less functional in that final mm. third of the pitch. I'm not sure. He's and I, I think the scary thing also is, is Darren, that okay, you've got De Bruyne of the comeback from his second long-term injury. Um, this is a team which could quite easily win the Premier League, Champions League double? They could, um, although it has to be pointed out that Liverpool are playing nowhere near as well as we know they can, and they are still in their slipstream, still undefeated in the Premier League so mm. far this season. Um, I expected them to score far more, far more goals than they did yesterday against uh, Fulham, but I think as far as Fulham were concerned, it was a case of any, any centre-back they could find they were playing yesterday. All leave was cancelled. They had to get into that side to stop them. Um, and I think that they'd settle for the two goals. But I just think that there is more to come from Liverpool. And I think this is still a race that could be a lot closer than it appears at the moment. Mm. I totally take your point. The way that City are playing, it's not just 6 ones. Was it 6-1 or 6-0 against Southampton? 6-1 last two games sounds like a tennis score doesn't it yeah. <laughs> but I think as far as uh, City are concerned up against the likes of Liverpool Liverpool are giving them a game on the pitch and they're giving them a run for their money in, in the Premier League I still don't think he can write off Chelsea uh, because I think they'll go again in January and maybe bring in more firepower up front um, and in the Champions League you know okay they can hunt round in these group stages but when the quality starts to step up in the latter stages mm. i think suddenly we'll see how good they are at that level but i you know i i totally take your point they do have the capability because they do have the players and the philosophy and the manager to go all the way because i think we're we're living through you know an unprecedented season in many ways you've got chelsea where sarri has broken a frank clark's 24 year record you know without uh, losing the first 12 games. As as Darren said, you've got uh, Liverpool 30 points out of 36, unbeaten. Um, the standards are ridiculous. Um, to, yes, to a degree they are. I mean, I mean Tottenham as well, playing yeah. not particularly well, but having their best start to a Premier League season. But... The, the standard of, of Manchester City and, and Liverpool is is very, very high, even though I know, as you say, Liverpool, there, there are a few question marks around them uh, or have been a few question marks around them. But I, I think the standard at the bottom end of the Premier League is so questionable at the moment that, you know, even though City are beating teams like Southampton by sixes, does is that because City are so good? Well, yeah, it's to a degree, but also it's because Southampton and the teams down at the bottom end are, aren't particularly good at the moment. Yeah, but there's the, you know, a quote from uh, Jurgen Klopp, which I thought summed it up, where he said, uh, "One, we've got to rediscover the joy of the game because it's just." You know, it's, it's, it's relentless at the moment for them. But secondly, which I thought was a key quote, it feels like this season can only be a success if you become champions. Yes, and I think that is very relevant because they've spent so much money and loads of people are saying because of that expenditure, anything less than... Look, when you spend what they've spent, and this is the reason why so many people roll their eyes at Mourinho saying we're fighting for the top four and Juventus are so much better and City are so much better, you spent a fortune. You know, you've been there for long enough. And we've covered Mourinho's Chelsea when he arrived and he said, you know, some managers, they say they want two years or three years to, to win things. I want to win now. 
suddenly he's saying, I need time to do this, I need time to do that. Um, and I think Klopp is saying, I've spent big. It means I have to win. I, there is no room for manoeuvre. And to be fair to him, he has now assembled a squad, which means that if Salah isn't available, Shakiri can come in. If Firmino's not around, Sturridge can come in. And FSG have backed him to the extent... And, and they've had that return on their investment because even though they're not quite playing where they should be at the moment, they're up there. They're challenging. They're in a better position than Manchester United are. But you've also got a situation where one of the most influential players, they're talking about doubling his money, Andy Robertson. They're doubling his money, allegedly, to £60,000 a week, which basically is loose change if you're playing for, for City or United. Does that signify, then, that Liverpool are not quite operating on a level playing field? Well, no. I, I mean, look... No one, apart from maybe PSG in European football, are operating on a level level playing field with Manchester City financially. I mean, Manchester United, I guess they are as well because of the the historical size of the club. But but the you know City and uh, PSG are state backed state backed clubs. You know they're owned by by states and, and nations. So Liverpool are operating on on different terms, and and you have to give them great credit for for the way. Jurgen Klopp has put that side together and you have to give FSG great credit for the way that they've backed him with the, the money at the right time to do that. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the, we look, you look at the, the gap. What was it, 25 points last season between Liverpool and City? I mean, that's a, an extraordinary gap to close. Um, and I, I think that they'll run out of steam this year in terms of getting there. I think they'll probably push them closest. I think, it's interesting I think even talking will. about Robertson because this time last year, People questioned whether he was even good enough for Liverpool. He'd come from Hull. Mm. Um, he, was, he wasn't brought in for the first team initially, was he? He was brought in as a young potential. Yeah, they just they eased they eased him into the team. They eased him into the team. When he when, when he first got there, there were I, I do remember there being a, a few question marks about him. He had a couple of injuries as well. He was in and mm. out. Um, but certainly now you wouldn't pick a team without him. No. You know, and and I think as far as he is concerned, whatever the wages might be. He does deserve a pay rise mm. because he's been a staple in that team, and um, he's he, again he's another who's improved. Yeah, Liverpool have, have, have denied stories that FSG are, are looking to sell the club for two billion dollars. Um, frankly, every club's got its price, isn't it? Of course, it has. everything on the planet is, is buyable these days, isn't it? For, for for ludicrous money, and and if somebody thinks that by spending two two and a half billion pounds, dollars, whatever, on Liverpool Football Club is a, a, a viable investment. And particularly given what Darren was saying earlier about you know, the, the European Super League and the potential money that's going to be on offer in the next years. I mean, what did Arsene Wenger say in his last press conference to us that, that the biggest change that's coming is there will be a European League in the not-too-distant future? And people will now be looking at that and saying, OK, well, it, you know, you've made, you've made these clubs worth a certain amount of money just by playing in your own country, but now when you open that up and, and it becomes a, a European league or a world league, mm. ultimately you would think that that will, as, as the world continues to shrink, mm. that will be the plan. Mm. Then people are going to look at that and say, well, that's that's small change. Yeah, interesting that Spurs was the, was the, the the standout club who weren't apparently involved in those <laughs> negotiations about a Super League. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think by common consent. Pochettino's done a fantastic job there in difficult circumstances. Um, if you're Ed Woodward, would you be on the phone? You would be on the phone because um, he is somebody who's now gone to two clubs and improved them 
improved the players, improved the mentality, even more importantly, uh, and made the most of what he has had to work with. Everybody knows that he's had a limited budget at Spurs, um, and yet he has kept them competitive. And by that, I mean get, taking them in. He kind of elbowed his way to the top table, hasn't he? And he's kept giving them Champions League football for three seasons in a row. He said last season that he couldn't continue doing miracles. Um, and I think uh, that is the case. And there is a big onus now on Daniel Levy to give him the financial firepower to compete. The big problem that I think United would have is that he and uh, Jesus Perez, his assistant, what they like to do is work with A, small squads, and B, squads where there aren't influential senior players in the dressing room. And I think if oh, so they cut out all the politics, they absolutely cut out all the politics. And when he came to Spurs, that's one of the first things he did. He got rid of all of the potential troublemakers, the senior player, the deadwood, the senior players who he thought could be a problem to him. That's why it's no surprise to see that he, he's not interested at the moment in Real Madrid. Because why would you want to go to that madhouse when I've already seen off Antonio Conte and sent the smoke signals to suggest you've got to earn our respect rather than the other way around? Pochettino wouldn't be having that. I think as far as um, Manchester United is concerned, it's slightly different, but he won't want to get entrenched in the politics and he won't want players either dividing his dressing room or trying to undermine him. He won't want to be fighting those battles. And that's a big reason why I think... Um, that might work in Tottenham's favour at the moment because it does look like there's an intrinsic problem at Manchester United. The, the only thing I would say about that, and I, I, I agree with you, Darren, I, I think going into the new stadium, I think he'll want to be the manager who leads them into the yes. new stadium and not just for if they get a handful of games at the end of this season. I think what he's invested emotionally into that club in the last few years, he will want to be there for at least one full season. But the time he's actually right now for him to go to United at the end of the season maybe. That's more because United need him because, rather than he wants to go. Yes, yeah, I, that, that's, that's exactly the point, that United, he, he would be the perfect manager because they need to, for me, they need to get rid of, of everything. They need a, a fresh start at Manchester United. They need to get rid of the majority of the players in the team now who have been cowed by Mourinho. Who've Is been, that easy to do? No, no, it's it's a it's a three or four year job minimum, and and that's but I, but I think Manchester United, I think where they are now, I think if you said to a lot of their supporters, look, it's obvious that this needs a complete revamp. You're going to have to give us time. Yes, we're Manchester United. Yes, we're the biggest club or one of the biggest clubs in the world, but things clearly aren't right. It, it needs to start again. It needs the reset button. And, and I don't think Mourinho... I think, I think history has proven that Mourinho isn't a reset manager. He's the man who should have come in on the back of Alex Ferguson leaving mm. uh, because he had the character to take over from him. But he's not the manager who rebuilds us. Just add, you know, I certainly do think that as well as... Obviously, they need to improve on the pitch, but also they need an image makeover. They need, they need a Pochettino to remind people... They are Manchester United. They're, they're an institution in this country. You know, we keep hearing Mourinho talking about how much inferior they are to Juventus, how much inferior they are inferior they are to Manchester City. And yet you look at the players in that team and they're outstanding footballers. Mm. You know, Rashford's one of the best young strikers in the country. Um, Lukaku's numbers were terrific going up and up. And even when you look at United and the service he's been starved of, he's still got decent numbers at that club. Sanchez ripped it up at Arsenal. Um 
I, I, you look at Pogba's the, one of the most expensive midfielders in the world. I think he still is, is he not? And I think as far as United are concerned, they are a fantastic team. And yet he talks them down and convinces people mm. that they are the poor relations to Manchester City. And that Pochettino, if he were to go there, just as he does with Spurs and says, we are Tottenham Hotspur now. And he, he, he gives the players the belief to realise they have a right to rub shoulders with the top teams in the Champions League. I think he would rediscover that belief at Manchester United. Yeah, but Ed Woodward, by common consent, is a brilliant businessman. He could sell ice to the Eskimos. Yet, let's, let's face it, his, his football knowledge is pretty sketchy in, in the big picture terms. Is United's prior or should United's priority be the employment as soon as possible of a technical director, you know, Monchi's been talked about, who's, you know, outstanding in the field, so that you don't have this logjam of very expensively acquired talent with no strategy and actually probably not very good judgmental qualities if mm. you're if you're a scout or a recruitment player. Yeah, I think, look, we English football, we were all very sort of narrow-minded. We had the blinkers on, didn't we? We didn't want to know about sporting directors, technical directors, directors of football, whatever you want to call them, which they've been hugely successful on the continent for, for years and years. And that's fine when you've got an Alex Ferguson, uh, when you've got an Arsene Wenger in the club who is going to be there for the for the long term. They, they can cope with that they can deal with it and plan for the future but these days because managers do have such a short shelf life it's imperative that you get a director of football in. it doesn't matter whether you are Real Madrid Manchester United or, or whether you're a championship club these days you really do need someone overseeing that to make sure that the you know to make sure the running of the club from the academy uh, through to the first team is all in sync yeah is that something that Chelsea needs so that Sarri gets some help from above yeah, I think so. Um, I think, um, obviously, they had Michael Amanalo uh, and things didn't work well. And now Marina Grauskaya is the person who um, basically rules the roost, if you like, there. But I think as far as Sarri is concerned, um, one of the big reasons why uh, Conti left was because he wanted a number of players that they considered wouldn't necessarily be value for money. Uh, now... Sarri has proven that he's, he's a great leader of men. He can inspire um, in a dressing room. He can create a happy ship. Um, and he's obviously got them on this tremendous run. But he needs more. It's quite clear that he needs more depth because if they lose Hazard for any length of time, they're in big trouble. Um, but just in terms of the wider context of, of, of directors of football, you were saying a second ago that... Um, we we were all saying, oh, you know, you don't need it. And we were all buying into it. And that was because we were being told by managers, older school managers, that they were not necessary. Um, and, and those managers were saying that because they had an older school approach mm. to running their football clubs. But as as you've said, we've seen that they are necessary because what you need is a structure. For Chelsea, that structure actually has worked well because in the last however many years, they've won a few Premier League titles. So they can get, they can afford to dispense with a manager, I'm sorry, a head coach, and bring in another one within that structure that works for them. And I think if they were to bring in somebody and, and help Sarri, then they would be able to keep pace with Manchester City. Because let's not kid ourselves, for all the shock and awe at City, they're only two points ahead of three teams in the Premier League. And Chelsea are very, very schizophrenic, as we know. One season, they're gone the next season, they're back. Mm -hmm. And so if they were to get somebody in who could um, help with recruitment, give them the kind of renewed impetus that they need, yeah, absolutely, they mm -hmm. could uh, get back to where they were. 
Tom, do, do Chelsea need the sort of striker who could turn a 0-0 draw against Everton into a 2-0 win? Every club needs a sort of striker. Who could, uh, <laughs> it, it's true. I mean, you, you, they, they need a Drogba. They need a Costa. They need somebody who will take a game by the scruff of the neck and after 65 minutes say, do you know what, this isn't working, get hold of it and score the goal. I mean, how many times did Costa in, in the title winning season, well, how many years ago was it now? Probably four years ago. Uh, when, when they won, the, they were nil-nil, they'd be drawing at places like West Brom, I think they were drawing Stoke. And Costa would get on the ball and he'd get that goal. And he was reminiscent of, of Drogba doing it back in the day, those big goals, those big moments. Morata isn't that sort of player, is he? You know, his hair, it's always perfectly gelled. Even after 90 minutes, there's not a hair out of place. And, and they, you know, they can't rely on someone like that. I can't talk about hair. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, you know, you, yeah. you, they, they need Chelsea. Chelsea's image fits a striker as well, like Costa, like Drogba, you know, somebody who is really scrapper. Go, a scrapper, absolutely. And, and look, Morata's a lovely centre-forward to watch when he's confident. Uh, I mean, when he first started, we, we tend to forget, given that he's not had the greatest run uh, over the last year, I know he's scoring a couple of goals now, we tend to forget he scored a few goals when he first arrived, a few very good headers uh, at the start. But he, I don't think, given the way he plays the game, I don't think we'll ever see the Morata of La Liga or Serie A because it's just not suited to him. It's too they, physical for him, isn't it? I think mm. it is. And as Darren says, they need someone who's going to, you know, if they see a goalkeeper coming for them, he's, there's only going to be one winner. Yeah, Costa was a street fighter. He yeah. was somebody who'd get in there and just grab. Drogba was a street fighter, you know, get in there, elbows, arms, you know, senderos. I mean, we see now players, I think it was Galas who gave an interview in France where he said, you know, he saw senderos ahead of one game. Uh, when they were going to play Chelsea, he was terrified mm. because he knew what he was going to get from Drogba and it wasn't going to be a particularly happy, happy afternoon. There are players that, I mean, Chelsea have been routinely, uh, they've had this interest in Robert Lewandowski, but the problem, I mentioned Granovskaya before, she doesn't want to invest in players that are seen as too old. Mm. And if she does, then she doesn't want to give them long contracts. So the problem as far as Chelsea are concerned is where do you find that striker of the no. calibre able to come into this league and be able to compete with the ferocious mm. physical nature mm. of it? You know, Arsenal have got you know, two strikers you know, a lot of clubs would want, you know, Aubameyang and, and Lacazette. Mm. But at the moment, it looks like they're going to be fifth. They're number five in the top five, aren't they? Yeah, uh, they, they, yeah, but I, I wouldn't rule them out, actually, Arsenal. I wouldn't rule them out of the top four. Um, and, and that is a, a change. Did you say it? Didn't we have a little wager yeah, yeah, last time we were we on? We did, and it pains me. It pains me to... <laughs> Pains me to say it because I'm already on the phone to the bank manager. Like, but I, I think I think they I think they're showing they're showing a bit of resilience. And and but I, I to be honest, I, I think it's probably more Manchester United's woes that will help Arsenal into the top four than than Arsenal making the strides. I mean, look, I, the, my point last time we were on together. Manchester United are out the back. Absolutely, absolutely. So so I think Tottenham, uh, sorry, Arsenal get there because of because of that. But. They, they are moving in the right... You're looking at me so smugly. <laughs> let's, let's address this in May, as we said before, and, and we'll see where we go. But look, Arsenal are making strides, and that game against Liverpool, I, 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 I have to say, yeah, look, you, you're starting to show what I was saying you hadn't yet shown, and they need to now do that against all the other, the other sides. Yeah. But they have got two strikers who would leave a foot in, who, who would, you know take a defender out soon as look at him. Chelsea don't have that at the moment. Mm. Let's look at the other end of the table. You know, Southampton, big moves afoot there in yes. terms of Les Reed leaving, um, Martin Hunter leaving as well. <clears throat> uh, 
what are the implications for Mark Hughes? Well, um, if you get rid of um, <laughs> Martin Hunter and Les Reed and the results don't improve, then the next spotlight is going to be on Hughes. Now, we all think, I think he's a good manager, but this game coming up after the international break against Fulham is massive because if Fulham win that, then there is really nowhere for Mark Hughes to go, um, which would be a shame. But I think Southampton have to... They, their Premier League existence now is under real threat. They haven't bought well. People, we, we can we know about the records that um, th that the club have had in the transfer market. But if you look at players like Manolo Gabbiadini, they just haven't delivered for the return on the investment. Now you could argue that Gabbiadini has had injuries, and he, he had a great start to the season. I remember the League Cup final where they played against Manchester United. He looked a heck of a player for a while, didn't he? Terrific player, and then he got an injury, and he was never the same player again. There are a number of other players in that team that have not proven value for money. So you can see why Martin Hunter has gone um, and also Les Reed as well. But I think if, if Mark Hughes, if they're going to continue to stay with Mark Hughes, and it's quite interesting, we've had no manager sacked as yet this season. Mm. And statistically, by now, there have been, I think last year, a few of them had already gone um, and we've had none. So quite clearly clubs want to stick with their managers. But I think that could be it's looking worryingly as though that could be to Southampton's undoing and also to Fulham's undoing as well. Yeah, because you know, I was going to mention that that game, you've got Slav uh, Djokanovic mm. as well. You know, Fulham are shop, uh, shipping goals, I was going to say for fun, but there's nothing, nothing very funny <laughs> about it, is it? Um, I was going to call it the P45 derby. <laughs> <laughs> Good, get it in the paper. Um, you know, so if you're in Fulham's shoes, having spent £100 million, a scout was discussing Fulham with me and he said they, they seem to have made the classic mistake. They're in the championship. When you're scouting in the championship, you're really looking for players who can just about get you up into mm. the Premier League with maybe, you know, a first season syndrome. But suddenly, because they probably didn't expect to go up, it's like, wow, well, we've got 100 million coming in. Mm. Uh, we better get a load of players. But they haven't actually been scouting the sort of players they need mm. for the Premier League. So they just throw the money at it and very little happens. In that circumstance, is it fair that the manager takes the can? Well, it's it's always tough. If you speak to any manager who's who's won promotion through the playoffs, they they love the playoffs because the day and the celebration of it. But you are at a disadvantage because your planning is is a month almost behind the two other promoted sides. Um, I think what Fulham did. I, I mean, you could argue that they had got the players in place to win them promotion and, and then realised that those boys weren't going to make the transition that they needed to bring in. Uh, what was it 11 players they signed? But £100 million doesn't sign 11 top quality players. It signs 11, all right, decent enough players, but they've got to, you know, at that level, you know, you, you need to be making the, you need to be bringing in, you've probably been better, arguably, bringing in, Two or three, three or four, thirty million pound signings and 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 building the team like that. I mean, you've I got think, to pay that sort of money for Seri, and he's not really delivered. No, he's not. He's not. Uh, I mean, I think we all probably looked at Schurler and thought that'd be a good bit of business they were doing, uh, bringing him in even but, but for two years on loan, isn't it? If you look around the Premier League and uh, a lot of the players that we thought would rip it up, Naby Keita looked a monster when he was at like Leipzig and. It, He's not a bad player. It's just that some of these players need time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. that. At that stage, at, at, at Fulham and in the lower reach of the Premier League, you don't there have is time. Not, yeah. You don't have that time. But I think, I, I do agree with you, that 
and it's it's a bit of a backtrack really because I was among the people in in August who thought Fulham have done some terrific business, you know, and a lot of people were of that opinion. Um, and now three months, four months on, you know, people are saying no, no, they've they've bought too many players, but uh, and and that maybe they should have gone the route of say Bournemouth, who had a lot of faith in so mm. many of their players, and and said, look, yeah. you're going to try and get keep us in this league, um, Huddersfield kept faith with so many of their players when they got into the Premier League um, and it would appear that Neil Warnock is trying to keep faith with a number of players in his league and now they're getting the hang of it um, it's a difficult one but I think the job of the head coach is to improve the players and, and so it, the can does uh, have to be carried by Yukanovic mm, yeah. um, A couple of questions from the, the, the viewers and the listeners um, one is, is on that sort of theme uh, Simon Penn asks is is a Diop the signing of the season at West Ham? He's, he's a very good signing, that's for sure. Um, the, I know one or two people were trying to bring him to the Premier League for for some time, and, and people were a little bit wary about whether this this young lad who'd only played in France could do it. But he, I mean, he's an absolute beast. We saw him uh, at West Ham, didn't we, last week? We were, we were both at West Ham to do uh, a series of interviews around some community projects that they've got going on, and you know, a lot of the time you stand next to footballers and you think, "Crikey, you're you're a big old." unit you're a lot bigger than I thought you were but I stood next to him and he's like crack you're twice the size of me <laughs> um is he the best bit of business uh he's certainly very good I probably wouldn't go as far as to say that uh, pound for pound is the best bit of business but I, I I'm willing to be proven wrong over the course of the next two or three yeah, years it looks terrific at Arsenal um already he's slotted in I talked about players Gwendouzi as well is another one for me oh, I think he looks good too. I really like the look of him but I think Torreira straight away he's making that team tick um, he's carried his form from the international stage back uh, to the club stage um, and I think he's going to only get better as a player so at, at this stage and it's still early days but at this stage I would say it's Torreira but Diop is a terrific player mm. uh, Parikh Barra asks is there a better manager than Pep in Europe at the moment is he the Steve Jobs of football <laughs> Um, that's good. I wish I thought of that line, actually. <laughs> um, Pep's terrific, but you have to argue that he has terrific players to work with. And so, um, much as obviously I, you want to give him the credit, and it's always, we do, on a Monday morning, when we, when we put our papers out, um, and someone's gushing about a particular performance, it's very easy to see that manager as the, the best that there has ever been but you know Ancelotti is no slouch you know somebody there, there, there are so many your painkers you know there are so many other terrific managers uh, the Atletico Madrid Simeone is mm. not doing too bad a job Valverde at Barcelona as well um I don't Although they did lose at home yesterday, didn't they? They did not lose at home. Yeah. Thank you for that one. I was thinking the, the, <laughs> the, question, the question with all this is would, would Pep win the league would he win the Premier League with any other side? Exactly. Would he, could he take over? A, would, would he make Manchester United this year? Would he? Would he? You know? Would they be Premier League champions? I'll give him a shout. I'm not so sure. Mm. I, I, yeah. I, I certainly think, and that's been asked before. You're, it's a good question because lots of people do say, if he were to take over United and United were to take over City, would City be more functional and United more fluid? I think yes. I think yes. I, and I think the likes of um, Sterling would get hauled out of the team because he's not tracking back, you know, rather than basically ripping defences up. And I think United, we'd see far more from Rashford, we'd see more support for Lukaku, we'd see a much more vibrant United than we're seeing at the moment. So, okay. yeah. Well, time is running away with us as per usual. Um, 
I just want to end up with uh, just a couple of questions on England because we are in the international break. Um, yeah, let's look beyond the Rooney controversy. What can Gareth Southgate realistically get out of these two fixtures? Oh, that's, that's a good question. I mean, he, I, I was with uh, Gareth Southgate at his briefing, on his media briefing on Thursday, and he he felt that in the first game, particularly, they can have a look at players, uh, the likes of Lewis Dunk, the, the other young lads that they've brought in, uh, Sancho, obviously, back in the, the squad again, and he, he can have a, a good enough look at them over the course of an hour, 90 minutes, to, to make make it a really viable runabout. Um, and, and I think the Croatia game, I think it's a, a, another good test um, as to where England are at the moment. I think they, they passed with flying colours uh, in the last international break with a, a couple of very good results. Um, the, the, the draw in Croatia, I think in context, is, is a very good uh, a very good draw. And, and so if they can back that up with a performance on Sunday uh, against Croatia again, World Cup finalists, then I think he'll, he'll get plenty out of it. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know what, because of all the circus surrounding really, I'd, 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 why not... Play Sancho from the start. He's just been terrific. I'd love to see him play. I think he would thrill lots of people. I think um, what what we want, I would imagine, as far as uh, Southgate is concerned, it might be a bit of what might have been if Rooney does turn it on. And let's not kid ourselves. He's been playing well in the MLS. I know people say he's not the force he once was, and that's true. But he he does come in on the body of some good work. He'd probably play quite well in League One as well, wouldn't he? He's <laughs> sarcastic. <laughs> But I think, look, just away from Rooney, because you did say that, that you didn't want to focus on Rooney, and I think as far as um, uh, Southgate is concerned, he has established that he can now compete with big teams. So now, I, what I'd like to see is England play with that authority again. Um, and, and some of the younger players that he's got in that squad, I'd like to see them step up over it, two games. Does it feel like a shame that we're interrupting, again, the flow of the domestic yes. season yes mm. it does because it's starting to really get interesting now at the top and the bottom end of the Premier League um, and I would imagine that City don't want this break to come this stage um, Spurs wouldn't want it because they've got they're on the back of a terrific run um, and, and I just think that some you know these international weeks they really do take the pace out of of, of the Premier League well, they don't even let it get going that, that's no, the problem you know you always feel like the season doesn't start to unfold until after this one you know I mean we have one after two or three weeks don't we crazy mm. madness mm. well I know international football has its place but being honest this feels like one break too many Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusive Exclusions apply. See site for details.